Hello everyone, I'm Dr. Selena Bartlett. I'm a neuroscientist and a professor of neuroscience at QUT. I'm excited today to bring you the podcast about how we can manage our brain health through crisis. How do we find that inner leader inside ourselves? Sometimes we need to be looking for leadership inside ourselves as well as from other people. I'm having a conversation with Professor Martin Betts, um, who has 38 years of many of which he spent leading organizations, whether as a dean or a deputy vice chancellor, and he has a lot of experience in leadership. So we came together to have this conversation, hope you benefit from it and get some really interesting insights and be able to imply them to your life. So please enjoy. And I look forward to seeing you when we can hold each other and touch each other and say hello and have a party again. So in the lo- we're just talking about leadership in crisis and that comes across in many ways. Um, you don't need to be at the very, very top of your organisation to be an effective leader at this time. And, and, um, and many people, and I think this would be great because your experience and my experience are quite different. And so let's just talk a little bit about that, like leading during a crisis. Some people just shut down in a crisis and some people just get activated and we're having a little conversation about that. Yeah, I think um, until you get in high-pressure situations, I don't think any of us really know how we're going to respond and and react. And I think there's probably all, all of us in the family, personal and work situations we've been in over this last couple of months have probably seen... Some people that seem to thrive on it in ways that you might not have anticipated and others that have found it really difficult to, to continue operating and found their leadership styles maybe very inappropriate to this very different context. So, so what sort of things in your view are inappropriate at this time that you've seen in terms of behaviour? Um, I think I'll go back to empathy. I'll go back to two words that I think are absolutely crucial of empathy and trust. So I think... Um, situation where everyone's working remotely and you don't really know you might be in a zoom meeting or a teams meeting with someone you're getting to know their bookcases on the shelves behind them but you don't really know what's going on in that environment that they're working in they might have children schooling from home partners that are going through challenges the inabilities to see other loved ones i think to just assume that people in those other environments or in a one that's like yours or that you can begin to understand is a mistake I think it causes us to all be much more open-minded and and seeking and seeking to learn and be responsive to the circumstances of those that we're working with in the very different situation where we all physically turn up to work and leave those things to some extent behind us yeah it's really challenging isn't it because we're so used to walking around and seeing what people are doing in some sense yeah but maybe when we're when we're at work and we're all walking around in the same uniform and in the same setting we still carry with us those um, those thoughts from and those experiences that we have from our home but maybe we hide them a little bit more normally and this is bringing them to a fore and causing us to need to be even more empathetic than we had before and I think the other word there is, is trust. That I think there's a lot of a lot of people's approaches to management and leadership are that you can you can lead people or get people to be productive or get things by watching them and observing them and 
directing them and that's very difficult when everyone's working from home where the the need to trust people to be doing the right thing is made even more important and people need it even more than they normally do yeah and i've heard some phrases uh people are saying things like people are emailing me more than normal because they want to well maybe because they are afraid that people think they're not working well i think people will do that if they have a situation where people aren't showing that they have empathy towards them and showing that they don't trust them and um, that's not actually what you need or want your colleagues and your team members to be doing if you're if they're going to have the ability to manage their own brain health through all of this and do the best for themselves and do the best for their colleagues and teams yeah it's so important right now i had this question come up yeah i gave this talk to people and around brain freeze during this time and some of the questions that the people were asking were like how do i really help people and one thing i heard a phrase i'm interested in your thoughts about this is like let's try and make sure people are working hard for this job keeper job saver $1500 thing interested in your thoughts on that yeah well it goes the same thing you're saying i think so i mean the job keeper there is a is a really valuable and important step and we've seen so many examples in mm. our lo- local cafes and our families and how it's made a huge difference and yes it's um it's i think that's the society as a whole placing being empathetic to and placing its trust in our workforce that by keeping them engaged that they'll do the right thing to to then come back and have loyalty for their workplaces and and for their society in the future and i don't think i don't think if you're going to have that as the overall approach the best way of implementing it is then micromanaging people i know but it's so hard isn't it because our normal way of work is really being changed i think there's some real opportunities for our workplaces and our family environments to really be for going to say there's going to have to be some positives coming out of this this horror scenario we're all in and if we can come out of all of this with better practices not just for washing our hands and being socially distant but being more empathetic and trusting of our colleagues and our teams i think that could stand us in really good stead yeah so but but i think this is where the stuff that you do is so important because we'll only get lots of people doing that if the pressure that everyone's under with local settings creating more pressure and less support from in workplaces is that we develop an overall capacity and capability in individuals to manage their brain health now is the time when everyone needs to be investing in that yeah so i think some examples are like how can we help people at home because we really feel their pain don't we well we helping them at home and helping them through networks that of their homes. I mean, I think this is where your webinar on Friday was so important. I can't believe that 160 public sector organisations at short notice all gathered around you and your team to actively and urgently explore how the HR departments of large public organisations can support their dispersed 
remote workforces to better cope with this change. What a what a great what a great sign of why there's such a need for this, and what a great thing and an opportunity for you to be able to serve it in some way. Yeah, because I think what people are noticing, and I noticed it myself, is why I did that uh, video explainer about brain freeze and unlocking your brain using ice, which is so funny, but is because you don't have the normal ways of handling stress right now. Well, we've got extra stress, haven't we? And we need, we've got extra stress added, adding to the fact we don't have our normal mechanisms, which is why we, we need to triage this mm. and urgently creating the, the individual capability to manage our brain health to develop the capability to be better leaders for the future is about the biggest biggest challenge and biggest issue that we're all facing right now. Yeah, and people are really working, don't know really, how do you do it? We're so used to being able to sit with somebody and, and I know you particularly like to do this and you get a lot of benefit from that and so the people you're with. But how do you, it's so hard at a distance to do that now, isn't it? Yeah, well, we're, 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 all, we're rapidly having to, and responding to the need to, learn new ways of doing it, aren't we? But yeah. Have you found some interesting techniques? Like, I'm interested to know what they are. Um, you know, I've had many ex- days of tears from my you know, team. Like yeah. Um, well... <laughs> I mean, I was about to say that regular contact, I think, is important. Um, but to some, to some extent, that's a two-edged sword because regular contact can feel like checking up on and not trusting people. Yeah. Um, I think it's being there for people. And it's not so much how often or, or how you communicate with your team, but it's, it's showing them that, that you care. I mean, that, none of us... I think none of us are immune to the feeling of wanting to be heard, aren't we? And so in a normal workplace, when you turn up on a Monday morning and your colleagues or your boss or your team say, yeah, how was your weekend, how's your family? Yeah. And then actually listen to what you say is so rewarding. Um, and that applies that, even more right now, I think. I don't know if you've noticed, but I feel like that's hap- when you're on a Zoom, that's less so, in a way. I find, I find the best part of my frequent half hour or one hour zoom meetings which is why i often try and get on them early it's the first three minutes when only a third of you are on it and you can actually have that social informal checking in with each other before the um before the charade starts (laughs) how do you find the work over zoom I don't know you. I, I find it really, really tiring. I don't know. If I've heard this many times. I find it. I don't know if it's because it's new. You know, when you do yeah. new things, they're more yeah. tiring than things that you're used yeah. to doing. Because it's been four or five weeks now, and so it's, it's not getting easier as it becomes less new. I just find the mode of having to so actively listen and project yourself. Everyone's saying this, Martin. I've heard this lots of places. I mean, one thing that I think is really important in leadership and self-management generally is 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 um, conserving your own energy. It's so easy in a um, in a work environment, uh, the annual cycle of the year, to come back in late January, February, and have all these plans of what you want to do and work really hard. 
you get to June or July in a normal year and you're finding you're struggling to see it through till November, December. And that's not good for anybody, particularly leaders that others follow. If everyone's getting burnt out, then the organisation's struggling. Well, this all kicking off in February, March, and people being so concerned about keeping jobs. Yeah. I think people are working harder than they ever have because of the circumstances and because of the desire with people that haven't learned how to trust and be empathetic. And here we are in the end of April. This could be going on for the rest of the year. What are we going to be like in November? Unless we've got healthy brains and we learn how to pace ourselves. Yes. I mentioned when someone was asking this question in the webinar, um, I I said that being it would be really great if the leaders could be kind to their people at this time. Absolutely. Um, and I know we're used to having to do a lot of stuff and get a lot of things done. But um, one piece of advice that I got from my daughter Ella, you know, who's been in lockup longer than us, was just do one thing and be proud of yourself that you did one thing. One day at a time, I think she calls it, doesn't she? Yeah. I think it's very wise. There's a lot of wisdom to be found in in new people, new young people coming to these issues. I've learned a lot from my own from my own kids about how to stay positive and how to be optimistic. And yeah, it's, they're inspirational, aren't they? Well, I think I think they're going ahead with all their plans. A disruption like this doesn't means it's bound to be the case that. People with 30-year careers behind them have experienced different things are not necessarily the best place to now learn new things that are required by this change in circumstance. So uh, let's talk a little bit about... Can you help um, A little bit about um, transitioning through this time, like in your career. And now, you know... Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I guess... There's never a good time for a one-in-a-hundred-year pandemic, is there? And I'm sure there's a lot of people that have found it more of an unfortunate timing than I, than I have. But um, in many ways, I'm, I'm lucky because this is all blown up when my 30-year career in universities around the world was coming to an end. So the grand party that I was hoping for next Tuesday and being able to shake the hands and share an arancini ball with all my friends and colleagues won't be happening. Um, it must feel funny, doesn't it? Well, it does. And, uh, you know, I went into my office last, last week for the first time for three or four weeks and to a campus that normally has 20,000 people on it. There were about 10 there. And you love people. think I'm around lots of people. Yes, I do. Um, and so leaving a place when everyone's not there and everyone's rightly completely preoccupied and distracted by their own trauma of this current situation and, and transitioning and, and helping a team move through that change it's, um, it's certainly one of the biggest leadership challenge I've ever, challenges I've ever faced I've noticed that you thrive in it though well, <laughs> I'm glad you think so <laughs> in a way <laughs> well, I think we've all got... But not everyone does. No, Some no, I don't think they do. People just go into but... that want to hide. Well, I think our bodies... Uh, th- this is what... You're the neuroscientist, I'm not. And you'll tell us what our brains really do when we put our hands in bowls of ice for, <laughs> for 
30 seconds or two minutes if we're if we're um, able to keep going for that long y- y- your, our brains respond to stress in different ways don't yeah. they well maybe they all operate the same principles but our capacity to do that changes I remember the first time you had me put my hands in bowls of ice <laughs> 10 seconds in I'd have gladly um, murdered you I think <laughs> you were swearing your head <laughs> <laughs> but um I don't know what you did in training my brain, but um, being able to then do it for two minutes at a time and seeing the benefit that comes from managing your own body to get um, your systems going. I mean, it's so easy to say, but this this stress is unavoidable. What, um, What we can do is to choose how we're going to try and respond to it in ways that are either going to bring us down or allow us to thrive to thrive and grow and survive. Um, and the interesting thing through this time that you see the difference this time is we don't have the normal ways that we handle stress which is to distract ourselves and go to the beach mm-hmm. or you know go shopping go out to restaurants this yeah. is where chocolate strawberries come in I feel yes <laughs> how because, does chocolate strawberries come well I, I think um, <laughs> and I think there's a lot of this going on isn't there there's a lot of there's a lot of talk of alcohol consumption through the roof through this period and we'll all be um, overweight because we're snacking like crazy I think that's um, us all reflecting on how at times like this hopefully we're all doing more exercise as well I think people are I think they are too we're walking along the Brisbane River as we record this but um, I think if if people can recognise that you don't have to sit with your hands in buckets of ice 24-7. You can find some ways of making interventions to stimulate and train your brain, but you can also give yourself some smelling of the roses along the way as well. And whatever healthy ways that you find of doing that, short of um, injecting disinfectant, I'd encourage you to explore them. <laughs> My goodness, no one should ever, ever take dis- disinfectant inside their bodies. No. <laughs> I think more or less all of us know that, don't we? <laughs> anyway, we yeah. better not get political. Uh, so what I was trying to say about the normal ways of relieving your normal stress, let alone a pandemic level of stress, see, the, the reason this is so bad is because we now have to isolate which means we can't use these other strategies for getting rid of the stress, which we normally would use. I think um, one of the... I think, we're, I think many people have recognised this in the sort of pre, um, pre-virus days, how good exercise is of yeah. releasing endorphins and, and stimulating the body and distracting yourself from other things. Isn't it fantastic to be out and see half the, half the city out on walks and out on runs and out on cycles. It's back to basics, isn't it? <laughs> because I think I, I, I think the population is going through a mass brain training exercise. It really is. And they're doing it not because they've listened to a podcast or a LinkedIn or read a LinkedIn post, but because it's natural to do so. I think there's a natural tendency to want to try and respond to this in the way that you're advocating. What What you're offering is... Uh, knowledge-based framework and some practical techniques for people to do this and to support others in their organisation to do this. And all I can observe as a non-neuroscientist but someone that's been involved in leadership is how critically important 
I can now see this is for our current leadership challenge and for the future. Yeah. And I was just wondering, uh, should we talk a little bit about some of your highlights from your career? Oh. I'd like to know what you... What I'm things... pretty impressed with your highlights of your career that's happened in just the last week, to be honest. But, um, <laughs> Thank you. I think, I think many of us would measure the highlights in our career not just through what we've achieved, but mm. as leaders, the, the achievement of others. Yeah, so see some of yours that you... Oh, well, I mean, just this last six months or so, to see some of the members of my team, and to see my executive officer sort of step out and become the secretary to the change management team for the whole university, and to see my um, chief marketing officer, after I leave at the end of next week, be appointed to act in my role and step up in that sort of way. I'm incredibly proud of those and so many other members of my current team and former teams. They, they, they say... So, I, you know what I'm really keen to explore here? This is where you bring out the best in people, right? You don't, you don't just take the credit for everybody's work. I don't right? think so. I mean, I was taught That's by a coach a long time ago that the, the sign of a great leader is the leaders that they leave behind. Yeah. Exactly. So and there's different types. That's, there's management and there's leadership, isn't there? Yeah, but I think um, at times like this, in particular, thinking, I mean, what, one of the biggest, one of the biggest challenges I fear is that budgets are tight in lots of our organisations. What gets cut first? Well, right now, travel and hospitality are taking quite a hit. Yeah. Rightly so. But leadership, well, professional development isn't long behind some of those in terms of being something that it's felt could be cut and yet professional development and personal development has never been a greater need for it in a different way from how it's conventionally been and that's why the the initiative that you're taking of working through your university with hopefully some external funding support which I really really encourage people to to make to be networked with a whole range of human resource organisations to help them support their people develop themselves in new contexts. What could be more important than that right now? Yeah, and we have to look at ways, different ways of doing that to, to the past. It doesn't necessarily have to be really, really, you know, long courses that take forever. And you know, I mean, they can be more simple things. And I think this online world is demonstrating that. There's such a thirst for it, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, it's amazing yeah. how the the pictures and the um, headlines on social media have changed in three months from... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can recall us being in Europe in the, 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 the end of last year and the, the budding image I have is the front page of the London Times with bushfires with a kangaroo set silhouetted against them which was yeah. horrific at its time. But um, the normal pictures that we have, not only of great great events and catastrophes, is of beautiful and exciting and pleasurable things. Well, right now, the, the social media seems to be completely um, overrun with people networking with each other and sharing <laughs> thoughts about how to, about how to survive and thrive in this challenge and I think that's great. Yeah.